All right. Well, it's so good to be here again with you tonight. Um, those of you who are here this morning, I got up to kind of share about our ministry, and I got a little emotional. I didn't even share about our ministry, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, let me just again, Pastor Mike mentioned it, like, you know, we've been in Estonia now for, for 22 years, and it's just been such an amazing thing what we've seen God do. You know, we, we were able to, as we went in there, there, you know, after the fall of communism, there was really nothing there as far as the church. I mean, there were people that were gathered together and there was an underground church that, that there were, you know, people that really wanted to know the truth. They wanted to know Jesus, but there was no teaching. And, and one of the things that, that they did to get teaching was, uh, they would have cassettes back then. Anybody know what a cassette is? <laughs> anyway, uh, they would send in cassettes and they would listen to the cassettes and pass a cassette around. But another thing that they did was they would uh, get maybe one Brother Hagen book in or something, and they would type in the, the book on carbon sheets. And so uh, with the old-fashioned typewriters that you had to hit the thing and the, the things would come up. Well, anyway, uh, they would use about three carbon sheets, and they would peck away a Brother Hagen book, and then they'd make three copies at a time because they didn't have coffee make or copy makers, coffee makers either probably, but they didn't have copy makers at that time. And so that's, that's the books that they had was these carbon paper books in, in most of the churches. And then once somebody got that, then they would translate one and then they would break it into three and they'd pass it around and pass it around. Well, when we got there, one of the things that they did not have was any good quality reading material uh, for believers. And so uh, God really laid it on our heart the first couple of years we were there is to start printing Brother Hagen books and, and, and a couple other authors that, that we printed some of their books and got, got good quality Christian material out there that's still out there today. And I'm thankful that somebody else has taken that over now that I don't have to do it anymore. But, uh, you know, we were one of the first to get good, good Christian material into the hands of the people, real books that they could be proud of and, and share with their friends. And, and we've seen that, you know, the written word is a powerful thing. And I think you all know that. And uh, it's just been amazing for us to, to be able to be a part of, of something that's so much bigger than what we are. And you guys are also a part of that. And, you know, there's things going on that you don't even know that, that you're, you're hooked up with. And I'm just, you know, again... Bible schools and, you know, radio programs, television programs, with everything that we've done, you guys have been right there with us every step of the way, and, and we're just so grateful again to you all. And so thank you for, for the, the privilege that, that we get to go in your behalf and that you so graciously send us and, and generously send us. And so thank you so much that as a church you've been so faithful over these years, and, and we're doing the best we can to, to make you proud there in the nation of Estonia. But I want to uh, get into the Word of God tonight. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would. Um, oh, I guess, well, we won't stay there long, but you could go to uh, uh, the book of Third John. Uh, Third John, we'll, we'll read verse 2 here in just a second. But, you know, Jesus, we're going to look at some, some of Jesus', uh, one of Jesus' little encounters that he had with a man in his ministry. How many know that Jesus had some strange encounters with some different people in his ministry? You know, I, I love just going, just reading and following the life and ministry of Jesus. You just go from one story to the next. And Jesus, you know, he, he meets people that, that uh, you wouldn't really expect sometimes that, that he would be happy to meet. And he, he changes people's lives that you would probably think, how is that going to happen? You know, and after we, we read the stories, we know how the things progress. We know how things happen, how things are changed. And so we read the story and we say, well, of course that's going to happen. Or, of course, you know, th- this took place because we know the end of the story. But uh, with Jesus, you know, going into those situations... If I was one of the disciples, as I read the Bible, I, I try to do this. I try to just kind of picture myself there as one of the disciples. I try to put myself into those Bible stories. And I read it sometimes and, and just try to think, okay, if this was happening before my eyes, what would I think? How would I respond? How would I react to this? You know, and Jesus going into places where people are dirty and stinky and, and, and going in and, and just picking somebody out and walking, walk, you know, that person walks home for the day. I mean, things like that, that's just amazing. You wouldn't really picture Jesus, the Son of God, coming and moving into the, some of those situations. Demon-possessed people walking right up to him, and, and you would think, oh, I've got to stop that, or i got to fix that, or I, I don't want him to be bothered there. But then Jesus, everyone he meets, every encounter that Jesus has, their lives were changed forever. Isn't that right? That's so awesome. And all the different... I mean, there was nothing that surprised Jesus. Nothing was too big for Jesus. Every situation, 
Everything has changed from that moment forward. Nothing is the same in those people's lives. And I think it goes back to just, just the, the, the love that he has as he came to this, this planet to show us the love of God. That it wasn't just something that was just, uh, you know, I come to die for your sins and, you know, I, I want to be your champion. But he came to show us love. And he came to show us a God who cares so much that he would go into places you and I might not be comfortable going. And he would minister to people that maybe you and I might not be comfortable ministering to just in our flesh. And we see those things and we go to go go through the word of God and we see him impact people's lives and change their hearts and their lives forever. And in every situation we see that Jesus becomes the answer for that individual or the answer for that situation. And Jesus said this. He said, I've come that I I would just, I would fulfill everything that was written about me in the law, everything that was written about me in the prophets. This is why I came. I came to fulfill it. I came to be the fulfiller of the law. Not that the law is over me. He said, I came to fulfill the law. I am the law. And it was his law, right? You know, Jesus, he, he's, he's the one that came and delivered the law to Moses. Moses gave it to the people. And then he came back and said, now I'm here to be the fulfiller of everything that I've, I've commanded of you. I'm going to show you that this is going to be done, that this will be fulfilled for you. And, and uh, w- you know, we, we look at some things that, that Jesus has and, and these people that have different relationships with Jesus and... and I like to just put myself there, like I said. I want to see what it is to be there. Because I believe in this, the days that we live in, you know, I love pastor's heart and, and, you know, praying for the rain and praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think we can see some of these things in the days that we live in. Amen? I mean, even right here in Orange County, California, you can see some amazing things happen in your own lives. You know, I don't think you have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. You can just be you and see God do some amazing things. As we see ourselves in here, as we picture ourselves in the stories of the Bible, I think we can get a better grip on, on what it is to be a true Christian, what it is to be a representative of Jesus Christ in these last days. And so, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, or not Jesus, but but uh, John writes to us in, in 3 John Verse 2, he said, Beloved, I, I, I pray, I wish, I pray above all things that you would prosper and that you'd be in good health even as your soul prospers. You know, I like one translation puts it this way. says that, that you would, you would uh, get along well even as your soul gets along well. And so I think we can see here that there's a connection to our life going well and to our soul. Your soul is a big part of your life going well for you. You know, I, I know that, that uh, pastor, I've gotten a lot out of it, that's why I know, but he teaches spirit, soul, and body. You know, and, and that is, that's an amazing thing. He's talking about uh, the spirit right now, I guess, on Wednesday night. Amazing. But the soul is such an important part of each and every one of us. And all of us want things to go well for us, don't we? You want things to go well for you? You might say, well, I don't care if things go well for me. No, you do. You care if things go well for you. Let me let me just prove it to you. If you get a rock in your shoe, <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you just going to say, well, you know, I, I guess it's just, just the Lord's will. I have a rock in my shoe today. I'm just going to walk around all day with a rock in my shoe. No, you don't. You want things to go well for you, don't you? You'll lean on a complete stranger and say, excuse me, bud, I'm going to get this rock out of my shoe, right? And so, so we want things to go well with us. We want it to go well, and the Bible tells us Things are going to go well with you as it goes well in your soul. And your soul is such a, it's a, such an important part. It's, it's one of the eternal parts of you. I believe the spirit and the soul are eternal. Your body is not. You know, your body is just your earth suits, which we need to be on the planet. But our spirit and our soul are eternal. And your soul is something that the Bible says we've got to take care of. That's our responsibility to guard our soul, to, 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 you know, renew our mind with the Word of God, to get the Word of God in us, to, to spend time in the presence of God and change the way that we think about things and change the way we think about situations. And as we look at Jesus, I think it's one of the most amazing things that we can do is allow that to impact our soul, to help us in the way we think and feel, and decide. Because your soul is such a vital part in how you live your everyday life. 
And so if we want things to go well with us, we want it to go well, first of all, with our soul. We've got to guard and protect our soul. And so, so tonight I want to look at a story where Jesus encounters a man that he's an unnamed man in the Bible. We don't know what his name was, but he's a man who had leprosy. And he comes to, to Jesus and then, you know, as Jesus is just finishing one of the best sermons, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. He goes on the mountain and, and Matthew chapter five, and he begins to preach this sermon that goes, I think about three or four chapters, three chapters maybe, where he's just preaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount. But, but it just goes on probably for a couple of days that Jesus just delivers this beautiful, amazing message that just makes us step back and think, wow, I need a savior. I need somebody to help me. You know, he's saying things like, you know, you be perfect because God is perfect. You know, we think, uh, wait, what does that mean? I have to be perfect. You know, or it says stuff like this. It says, you know, if, if you even think about somebody and lust in your heart, it's like you've already done it. And we think, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Now that's, that's a little bit stretching it. But what Jesus is trying to, to, the point he's trying to make is this, is you all need a savior. How many know everybody needs a savior? You need a savior. God created each and every one of us with a God hole on the inside. That in our soul, in our spirit, man, we need Him to be full and to be complete, to truly be satisfied in life. We need to have a touch from Him. We need to Him to be there in our lives. And so, so as, as we, we, we hear this great message of Jesus, Jesus walks down this mountain and the large crowds that have probably been there for days and growing as the days went on, this large crowd follows him down the mountain. And, and go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, uh, here this, this, this man comes with leprosy. It's the worst disease of the day. This was a disease they have no cure for. This was a disease that, that the people, uh, you know, they were afraid of because just by touching it, you could, you could get that and, and, and your life would be over as you know it. And so there is no cure for this disease. It's easily transferred. And here this man walks up to Jesus after he just preached this great message and he's got a bunch of people following him. And so here in Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Matthew chapter 8, 1, and it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately his leprosy, or he was cleansed of his leprosy. And Jesus said to him, see that you do not tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commands as a testimony to them. And so here we see this, this wonderful story, just a few verses of a man who comes to Jesus hungry for life. He wants to know, is this real? Is there some power? Does God still love me? And if this is God's son, can he be the one who can change me? And so here this, this guy's got this horrible, horrible disease. It's, it's eating away his body. Pieces of his body are probably already missing at this time in this man's life. You know, maybe he's lost an ear, a nose, fingers, arm, maybe a leg. You know, he, he's hurting. Who knows how long he's had this disease? It's, it's a painful, heartbreaking, slow death that they would face in these days. And here, this guy, he shows up and, 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 you know, the Jews, they are emotionally and, and, and religiously, they, they have rejected this disease. Anybody who has this disease is considered to be unclean. You can't come to the temple. You can't, you, you know, it, 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 this disease represented to the Jews in this day, this disease represented sin. It was the picture of sin, that uncleanness. You, you could not worship. You, you, were un, you were ceremonially unclean. You had to be kept away. You were, you were sent out of town. 
and you were sent to, to colonies. You were ripped away from your family, sent out to colonies with other lepers where you could no longer live in society or have human contact. This disease was horrible. It destroyed you from the inside, not just the outside. Because, because as, as with this disease, there was guilt that came with this disease. Because the Jewish mind thought it's because so, you, either you have sinned, or somebody, you know, your mom or your daddy sinned, somebody sinned, and this is God's punishment for that sin. This is the, the symbol of sin. And so this guy has this disease, and he's probably feeling guilty. He's probably ashamed of himself, you know, all for what I've done. And how many of you know all of us have done something that we could probably think, well, yeah, I've done something that probably deserves, you know. So this, any, any, any does, does anybody who collected this disease or con- was contacted with this disease, we could all come up with a thing, well, it's because I did that. That's probably why I have this disease. And so this guy's probably living his whole life thinking, man, I wish I'd have never done that or I wish my, my mom and daddy never did that because now I have this disease. And so he's considered unclean. And he's, you know, anybody who has this disease is to stay away from society, stay away from the normal people. And this guy, as he shows up, as Jesus comes down this mountain, just preached a great message. Everybody's fired up. And he, the Bible says that this man runs up to Jesus. And I'm sure as he did, this crowd gasps, right? They probably lost their breath and <gasps> stop. Jesus, that guy's got leprosy. And this man runs up to Jesus. And, and I, I love the heart of the Lord. I mean, it, it, he doesn't rebuke this guy because this guy was breaking the law just for being there. Right? It, the law said, you can't be here. This guy runs up to Jesus, falls at his feet, says, Lord, if you're willing, I believe you can make me clean. I'm sure the crowd was saying, get out, run away, stop. And he boldly runs and he breaks the law. He risks his life to get there at Jesus's feet on that day. And so uh, the Bible says this, that Jesus, Jesus, he, he touched him. And he said, I'm willing. And I think he's trying to show the heart of God. You know, one of, it's one of the first stories in the book of Mark it talks about just the willingness of God to heal sickness and disease. How many are thankful that it's the same blood? Amen. The same blood that cleanses your sin. That same blood was shed for us to have health in our body. That by the stripes Jesus took on his back, you and I can be healed. You and I can walk with, 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 with health, spirit, soul, and body. And so here this guy's been beat down by society. He's been rejected by society. And there's nobody that really wants to have any part of this man. This man's been ripped away from his family and his kids. That's probably the worst part of this disease is is you're you're torn away from from the ones you love and you are sent out to be alone with, with other people who are there dying. And so you're basically already dead and you're just left in that place until you physically die. Nothing in your world is the same once you've been been diagnosed with this horrible, horrible disease. And so as, as we read this, we might think, oh, this is a nice story how Jesus heals this guy. But he was breaking the law by even being there. And when you break the Jewish law, you know, it wasn't just like, okay, well, you know, let's let's have a, a trial and, you know, we'll, we'll We'll put you in prison for a couple months and we'll string it out kind of like we do in these days. We, we have no idea what this is about. There's kind of like the judge and the jury a lot of times just happened right on the spot. And so what could have happened was, you know, you know his, his life is pretty much over. And so as, as he's risking his life to go to the feet of Jesus, you know, he's saying, I'm going to, Jesus, you're my last hope. It's either you heal me or these, this crowd is probably going to kill me And the you know, the favorite way that Jews like to kill people is they throw rocks at your head until you're dead. I mean, that's that's what they like to do. Right. And so here this guy runs to Jesus and he says, all right, Lord, this is this is my last shot. This is my last hope. I've come to you. What can you do for me? Can you I believe that if you're willing that you can cleanse me, 
But what, what is going to happen here? What is, what is going to be the end result of this day? I'm either going to go home to be with my family or I'm going to die. And so he's breaking the law. He's approaching Jesus. He's approaching clean people and he's considered to be unclean. And the Bible tells us something at this point that, that I think is, is, uh, very telling about Jesus is Jesus reaches out and he touches him. He touches him. Now, according to the law, Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14, according to the law, Jesus now, by touching this man, Jesus is breaking the law. And so this man is breaking the law by even being there with Jesus. And then Jesus reaches out and he touches this man. And now, according to the law, Jesus is breaking the law. And so this crowd has got to be standing there thinking, what is going on? This is just an unbelievable situation. And as Jesus touched him, I'm sure the crowd lost their breath again, wouldn't they? <gasps> He's touching him. And this is what Leviticus says, that when the clean touches the unclean, the clean becomes what? Unclean. And so the clean touches the unclean, it's unclean. And so at this moment, according to the law, Jesus is now unclean. And I think as Jesus reached out to touch this guy, he's just doing it to kind of thumb his nose at the law, so to speak. He's doing it to say, I'm the fulfiller of the law. They're saying, Jesus, you're breaking the law. He says, no, no, no. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. I've come to be the satisfier of all of your souls. He's just preached this amazing message where where we, we know we need a savior, where we know we need a hero. We know we need God in our life. And then he meets this man and he touches him. And he touches him. And let's just think about this man for a minute. How, how long has it been since anybody has reached out to touch this man? How long has it been since he's had any kind of human contact, any sense of, of love or compassion from anyone? Well, we don't know much about his story, but, but it could possibly have been years, maybe even tens of years, that he's not had Human touch. You know, studies, studies tell us this, that if someone doesn't have human touch over a period of time, they could become very unstable emotionally, or you could even become insane if you don't have human contact. You know, one of the things that they, they teach with your kids is touch your kids, hold your kids, hug your kids. Amen? Hello, are you here? Am I boring you? All right. Touch your kids. Let there be love in your, your home and your family. Hug one another. This is so, I believe, so important and so vital for each and every one of us to be stable emotionally, to be stable in our soul. And so Jesus reaches out and he touches this man. And I don't think it was kind of a touch. You know, we think sometimes it was a touch. Uh, I believe this was an embrace. I really do. I think Jesus would have embraced this man. And when he's touching him, he's not just just doing this little finger thing or, or maybe just a little touch on his head. I believe he'd have ran up to this young man or old man, whoever it was, and he would have embraced him. And he would have said, yes, I'm willing. Be clean. That was the day that this guy's life was given back to him as a gift, wasn't it? The thing that he had lost was once again restored to him because Jesus was willing to break through What the law said was wrong. And you know, this man, Jesus never rebuked him, did he? Jesus never said, what are you doing here? Go back to your colony. I'll come visit you later. No, he he welcomed him. He, I believe he embraced him. And he said, I'm willing. Be clean. Be clean. And this this is the, the love of our God. This is the compassion that I believe that God has for each and every one of us. Again, remember what I said at the beginning. I want us to find ourselves in this story. 
I want, I want you to see you as this man. Because I believe this man represents each and every one of us in this room tonight. In our unclean state that we run to Jesus. And the unclean touches the clean. But what happens? According to the law, the clean becomes unclean. You know, you take a dirty shirt and you rub it out in the, 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 the parking lot here. Or you take a clean shirt, rub it in the parking lot out here. It becomes dirty, right? It's not that the parking lot becomes clean. No, the, the shirt becomes dirty. Clean touches the dirty. It's dirty. For the first time, or the unclean. What did I say? Am I doing this right? Clean touches the dirty. It's dirty. Yeah, okay. But for the first time in, in, in history... For the first time in human history, the clean touches the unclean and it becomes clean. For the first time. It's never happened before. The people are standing there shocked at what they've just seen with their own eyes. That the unclean touched the clean and they're not both unclean. They're both clean. It was the power and the love of God. Now, I believe this. I believe this man was desperate, wasn't he? He had to have been to put his life in, in this place, to put his life in, you know, to open himself up to this ridicule, to open himself up to, to possibly death. He was desperate and looking for something that would maybe change his life forever. And he wasn't even at the meetings. He didn't hear the wonderful teachings of Jesus. But he had heard, obviously, about Jesus. He'd heard that he was the Messiah. He heard that that he he was the one who was the Son of God, who came in the power of God. And he believed. And as he approached Jesus, as he walks down this mountain, he's probably waiting. And he was probably hiding out so that nobody would have sent him home. So he probably pops out from some bushes or from behind a rock and runs over to Jesus. Jesus loved him. And I think each and every one of us, as we run to our Jesus, when we realize we need a Savior, he just loves us, doesn't he? That's why I'm here tonight. It's because I know God loves me. That's why I've I've chosen to to give my life to him and do whatever. Because I know he loves me. And I'm unlovable. I was unclean. And he loved me and he made me clean. And that should be your story. You could find the gospel right here in this simple four verses. This story about an unclean man who approaches Jesus. And he says, I need a change. I need a miracle. I need power. I need God. I need a superhero in my life. You know, and in our society today, and I think it's probably always been this way because we've always come up with these mystical people. We're consumed and we're, we're you know, we're, we love superheroes, don't we? I mean, I, I love superhero movies. Hollywood's, you know, fanatical about superheroes. Greek, Greeks had their superheroes. Everybody's always had, as humans, we like to think that there's somebody out there that's a superhero. There's somebody out there that can, can change the whole thing and make it right. This guy went there that day looking for his superhero, didn't he? Looking for his, you know, we just saw Spider-Man the other day. It's not a bad movie. You go see it if you want. It was pretty cool, all right? But he just, he he comes swooping on the scene, does his little thing. Superhero. And everybody's like, wow. He was looking for his superhero on this day. He says, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I I cannot go on. Without you, there's not going to be much more to my life. I need... I need somebody to come and to change me. I need somebody to, to, to show up. I need the power of God. Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate 
for you. I'm desperate for change. I'm desperate. I've, I've, I need a touch in my body because I'm fallen apart. And here Jesus grabs the man, hugs the man, and says, I'm willing to be clean. The love of God that is just outpoured here as the crowd watches this, I'm sure everybody was like, our God is so good. Amen? You know, pastor talks about miracles and, and, and in these last days, what we will see for the, for the church to be who we're going to be. Amen? We're going to see the miracles. It should be expected when we come together. There's going to be miracles today. It should be expected when we pray. We're going to see a miracle in this situation. Families changed. Lives changed. Bodies changed. Relationships changed. Amen? Because of the power of God that's available when we pray. When we run to Him in that, that, that place of, 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 you know, I've got to have a hero. I need a savior. I need Jesus. I need you to touch my life. That's what God wants from us. That, you know, I don't think that's, that's, that's a turnoff to God. You know, sometimes we look at people that get needy and desperate and, and we're like, oh, I, I, that makes me uncomfortable. Right? Uh, we were at a, at a place the other day and, and, uh, somebody ran up to me and it, it made me so uncomfortable because they were so needy and so desperate wanting some of my money. But that's how God loves for us to be when we go to Him. That we would be that needy and that desperate that we would run to Him and say, Jesus, I need you. I've got to have it. I, I've got it. In, I need it in my body. I need it in my life. I need it in my heart. I need it in my soul. I need you. And I think he loves that. I think he embraces that. And as I kind of shunned and I walked away from that person that ran up to me in that needy manner. As I walked away, the Lord spoke to me about this story because I knew I was going to come here. And I was going to preach this story. And as I walked away, I thought, oh, that's not maybe how Jesus would have responded there. What made me uncomfortable, I believe, makes Jesus turn with compassion and change the situation. He can change your heart. He can change your life. He can become the lover of your soul. And if he could touch your soul, he can change the way that you are. He can change the way that you, you think and that you feel and that you remember. Oh, a big part of your soul is what you remember. How many know sometimes we need to be get, get clean from that? Sometimes our memories are the things that hold us back. Yeah, well, well, grandpa so-and-so had this same thing, you know, and he died. My dad went through this same thing and, and, and he died. And, and now me, here I am. Let's, let's, let's run to him. Let's run to the, to the one who could change all that. The one who can restore and put you back at a place where it's no longer going to be this way. Because you came to me in faith. You came to me with desperation. And sometimes I think that's what our faith needs. You know, we've got the word. We, we can quote the word by his stripes. I'm healed by his stripes. I'm healed. We've got this. We've, we've, we've heard the formulas. You know, you, you believe, you speak, you stand and thank God for all that. But I think sometimes that the thing that we need to add to our faith is a little bit of desperation, church, that we run to Jesus like you're all I need and you're, you're all that you're, you're my last hope. That's true faith. As this man runs to Jesus, he's running in faith because that's it. That's the last resort. And a lot of times we go running with our faith, but we've got, you know, we've got our plan B if this doesn't work out. You know, I, I want pastor to lay hands on me and pray, but if that doesn't work out, I've got plan B. Now we'll go to this other church next week and then the week after that, if that didn't work out, you know, we can go down the road here, over here, over here. But when we run with a desperation that this is, this is, this is it, 
Jesus, I need you. I believe that you love me. I believe if you, if you, if you're willing, that you can change me. You can change my body. You can change my life. You can change my world. This man runs to Jesus. And Jesus grabs him and says, I'm willing, son. Be clean. And for the first time in history, the clean makes the unclean clean. And now, again and again, over and over, through us, through the word going out, we see it in our own lives. People that are unclean becoming clean. People that are ceremonially rejected are accepted because of the power and the blood of Jesus. The work that he did on the cross. The work that Jesus did hanging on that middle cross for you and for, for me. We just celebrated a couple weeks ago the resurrection of Jesus and the work that was accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's good enough for you. It'll change your life if you will just be desperate enough to run to him and say, Jesus, this is what I need. And I believe if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I guarantee you the message that you will receive from him is I'm willing. I'm willing. And then it's interesting in this story, the last thing that Jesus says here in verse 4, he says, See that you don't tell anybody, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You know, I've read that a couple of times and I thought, why didn't he want him to say anything? And why did he want him to go to the priest? That just doesn't seem right here. Jesus, a lot of times he says, you know, you bunch of scoundrels, you bunch of snakes, you know. uh, You know, what are you teaching these people and and whatever. But now Jesus is saying, now I want you to go to them. And I want you to offer these Old Testament, you know, offerings and, and do what, what Leviticus 13 and 14 say that somebody who's cleansed from leprosy, what do what you're supposed to do. And I thought, why is that? But listen, this is why. Because it was only the priest that would be able to restore this man back to society in that day. It was only the priest that could say, okay, you're clean and you've proven it by the, by the offerings that you've made and we could see your body. They would check them. You know, one of the things that the, the, the pastors, the priests did back in those days is they would check people's bodies for all their diseases. That was part of their, their, you know, it would have been a hard, hard thing for me to be a pastor back in those days. If I had to check people's diseased bodies every week just to see if they're, that's rough. But that's part of what they did. That was part of their job. And so he had to go present himself and say, go ahead and check me out. I'm clean. He'd make the offerings and only then the priest would allow this person to go back to society. And so when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest and go make the offerings. It'll be a testimony to them that you're clean. What Jesus was telling this man is your life has changed and you can go back to your to your wife. You go back to your kids. You can go back to society, go back to work. You can just go ahead and live your life. Like you've always wanted it. This man was desperate. And I'm sure this crowd was amazed at at his desperation as he fell at the feet of Jesus. And the crowd is seeing that the key to satisfaction in life comes from a place of desperation in our heart. Where we're crying out and saying, Jesus, you're my last hope. You're my last hope. I need you. And I think when we get into a place in our own lives where we have needs, where we have wants, where we have lacks, whether it be natural, physical, spiritual, emotional. And, I, you know, all of us could probably say, well, there's areas of my life that I wish were better. There's areas of my life that I wish were, were changed or different. I wish this relationship was better. I wish my family had this. I wish we were able to do that. I wish I was strong enough to do this. I think we need to get to a place that this man found that the answer to his whole life, the answer to his whole world, was in a desperation at falling at the feet of the only one, the only one who could help him. He realized that there was no, no medical means. There was no, no, no knowledge that was going to be able to save him or help him. 
And I'm sure in his life, he's, he's gone down every avenue. He's gone to every doctor. He's gone to everything that could possibly happen to see if there might be something that could help him. And nothing has helped him. And he's at the end of his rope where he comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the love of our God through his son says, I am willing, be clean. This is the, this is the message that we need to take to the world, isn't it, church? This is the message that we need to take to our friends and to our neighbors and, and to our loved ones and to, to our co-workers. That there's one who loves you. There's one who's willing. He, he will be there. He'll change your life if you just get desperate enough to run to him, to open yourself to him and say, Jesus, I need a savior. I need a hero. And he says, I'm it. I'm the one. I'm the only one that can change your situation. I'm the only one that could impact your life in a way where you will never be the same again. And he'll send us back to society in a different way, won't he? I know when I made, made my, my decision to accept Jesus as Lord, now not everything in my life changed overnight, but I knew something was different. And as I went back into society, my friends weren't the people I wanted to hang out with anymore. The, the things I used to do made me a little bit uncomfortable now. And as I began to change my life and as I began to, to seek more after this God who, who loves me, and that's all I knew is he loved me, my world began to blossom. My world began to open up in a way that, that I never would have dreamed. And I began to find what true life was all about. And as a young man, I decided I'll give my heart, I'll give my life to this man, Jesus. I'll follow that man anywhere. I'll go with him anywhere. I went to Bible school just hungry for the word. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect to be a pastor one day. Certainly not that. I thought, well, I just want to go just learn about this God who loves me. I didn't feel called to any ministry. I just, I just, I just wanted to know about my Jesus. And church, when we get that desperation, I believe God begins to open up things to us and open up your world. And you might say, well, okay, so what are you saying, Barry? Are you saying that, that I need to, to go to Estonia or I need to go to China or I need to go to Africa? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you need to be desperate enough to lay it all down and run to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I give you everything that I am. And I believe if you're willing, you can use my life. I believe if you're willing... You could heal my body. If you're willing, you could heal me from the inside, heal my soul, that things would go well with me. And as we run to him and as we give ourselves to him, I believe he is the only answer, church. And as I ran to him, then then one thing led to another. I found myself going to another nation and then living there and then living there. And now... 22 years later, I'm still there. And through all the different trials and everything, the one thing I've held on to is this, is the one who loves me is with me. And he's called me and he's there and he's helping me. And I'm not alone because I was desperate enough to say, God, I need you. And so here's my life. And church, I would, you know, don't be afraid to say, God, I love you. Here's my life. Because the you know, chances are you probably won't have to go to Africa or Estonia or China. You might just have to stay right here. But I guarantee you this. He will want to use you to reach your world. He'll want to use you to take this message that Jesus is the healer, that Jesus is the restorer. Jesus is the fulfiller. And he will touch you if you will just run to him. This is the message that we need to take to a lost and hurting world. And Jesus, as he touches this man, he's saying, I'm no longer, you know, you don't need to be afraid of sickness. You don't need to be afraid of, 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 of wickedness. You don't need to be afraid of darkness. You don't need to be afraid of the lost. You don't need to be afraid of the ungodly. Bring it to me. And what is clean will make the unclean clean. And you need to know greater is he who is in you than any situation you're going to face, whether it be at work, during your day, through through life, the obstacles we face, no matter how dark it might seem, we go to Him and He is the answer. And He could change it and make it clean in a moment. Amen? That's our God. 
That's who we need to run to. He is the only answer for the souls of men and women. He is the only answer for those that that have gone to doctors and the doctors say, I don't know what else to do. I can't help you. I don't, you know, it's going to be a long time for this to go through. We just run. We say, Lord, I'm desperate enough to lay it before. And this is it. You're all I've got. And he'll say, I'll change it. I'll make it clean. I'll restore. Can you imagine this guy as, as he re- reunites with his family and then he's able to once again go to the temple and to worship God? Can you imagine what that day would have been like as he enters into that temple and he's ready to worship God? I don't think he was one of the guys standing in the back with his arms folded on that day, do you? No, he ran to the front with the desperation, raising his hands to God in worship, raising his hands to God in prayer. Because he was made clean. And let's not lose that desperation as a church. Let's not lose that desperation as a people. And this church has made a commitment to take this message to the world. This church has made a commitment to send others, you know, the flags that represent the others you send, but you've sent Brenda and I, that we could go where you may never go. And we could help to take a message to people that you may never meet. But this church has made a commitment to, to, to go to the world and to preach this gospel, that there would be a latter rain, that there would be a change that we would see in people's hearts and lives because we trusted our hero. We trusted our superhero, Jesus, the most amazing person that, that anybody would ever meet. And there's a reason why in the heart of every man and woman, there's that whole, there's that longing for something. And Jesus is the one who stands up and says, I am the fulfiller. I am the one who will satisfy you and your soul. And I'll change your life forever if you'll just run to me in that desperation moment. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. And I thank you, Lord, that there is a power that is greater. There's one who's higher than we are. Lord Jesus, that you are the one who is the savior of our soul. You are the one who is the healer of our bodies. You are the one who is the provider. That everything that we need in life comes from you and comes through you. And Lord, I thank you that in this place tonight, that whatever the needs might be in the people's hearts and lives, I thank you that you are the fulfiller, that you are the satisfier of the soul. You are the one who will meet the people wherever they are and touch them in a way that would change the way that they are and send them home in a different way. That there could be restoration, that there could be be new life tonight in people's hearts, even right here in this place. And so I thank you, Jesus, for that desperation faith that we would come to you knowing that, that you are the answer, that there is no other way. So I thank you, Father, for your love. I thank you that you just reach out and you touch us right where we are here in this place tonight. That we would feel your arms embrace us, spirit, soul, and body. That we would just feel you in this place tonight, knowing that we have come in contact with our Savior. That the one who loves us more than we could ever imagine is filling the places in our heart and lives that we have need. And oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Thank you, Jesus, for the love that was poured out on that cross for us. And I thank you, Jesus, that through that victory, each and every one of us can have life. Thank you for life. Thank you for life tonight, Lord. Thank you for life that flows in us and through us that you would call us to be ones to carry that light and that life to those that we would, we would be in contact with daily. Lord, use us for your glory. Use us for your glory. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
I just feel led if there's anybody here tonight that, that you came maybe with your head kind of low. You're not really knowing what's, what's going what's gonna to happen about this situation in your life, whether it be something physical or something different. But this is healing school. And if you came in here thinking, I don't know what to do with this. My body's weak or, 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 or this situation is just pulling me down. I believe we could leave here tonight with our heads high knowing there's a purpose. Knowing that there's something that can be changed in us. And wherever you are tonight, just raise up that hand to heaven. And I believe there's a, there's a power that is available to you through that desperation faith that just says, Jesus, I need a touch from you. You know, in this story that we looked at tonight, Jesus didn't have to touch this man. Some people might think, well, Jesus had to touch him to heal him. Well, we know that's not true because the very next verse as we go into the next story that Jesus heals somebody, he never touched him. He just spoke the word. He just spoke the word. And they were healed. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we take that verse, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I believe in that. you know, we could receive right where we are. And that's just what I feel led to do tonight is just to, to, to cause you just to look up to him. You don't need me. You don't need anybody else to touch you. Let's just run to him tonight. Let's just be desperate enough to go to him. You know why he touched that guy? He touched him because he loved him. He touched him because he wanted him to know he was cared for. And I believe Jesus will touch you right where you sit tonight because he loves you and he cares for you. If you'll just reach out to him, I believe he'll move in your heart and life tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Glory to God. Lord, you're so good. Thank you for your compassion and your mercy that endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, as we go home tonight, I want us to go home knowing that we have a superhero with us. Amen. And greater is he who's in you and he who's in the world. So no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, there's something that you've got with you that can change any situation you face. And that clean can turn the unclean clean. Hallelujah. The clean in you can make any unclean situation clean. And so you just believe God for it. You believe God for that power. It's not about you. It's about Him. Amen? It's not about me. It's about Him. And so let His clean Make your unclean clean and let his clean make the situations in your life clean. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you again for your, your being here tonight. And we just love you so much. Can't wait to be back with you again next year. I'm sure we will. But again, thank you. We love you. God bless you. Pastor Mike.